Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I was never very good at talking about myself. Right. But I, when I first started, I kind of put up on Facebook. I said, hey, this is what I'm doing now. This is my company. And somebody yeah. was like, oh, I can use you. And it was a friend of mine from college. Yeah. And if I hadn't have done that and I hadn't just gotten past, you know, being afraid to talk about yeah. myself, I would have lost out on yeah. the opportunity to work. My name is Esprit Devorah host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast here in Austin, Texas at the fabulous Impact Hub. Loving celebrating all these women in tech in such a magical place that is bringing the community together here in Austin. And I have Jill. Hi, Jill. Hi. And so, Jill, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, well, I'm Jill Dretzka. I moved here to Austin last March, and I'm the owner of Work and Woof, which is the country's only indoor dog park and co-working space. And when would you say you first fell in love with both pets and technology? No, just <laughs> Pets, you're probably born with it. But when when did you first fall in love with technology? Um, I think it was I was fresh out of school, and it was right at the height of like social media taking off for businesses, and I, you know, the iPhone and just everything. I was so fascinated by the idea that everything could be done from my phone. Yeah, I just I thought that was like the coolest thing. I could bank, and I could you know do all these amazing things, and social media just was. So awesome as on a personal level and then realizing that I could do it professionally just like took it to a whole new level. And what were those interactions, both personal and professional, uh, that happened? Like, did you have it at home growing up? Um, yeah, I mean, I had a computer. <laughs> I had like a big old PC growing yeah. <laughs> up. And then when I went away to college, I like begged my parents for a Mac. And I was like, yeah. I want to be like all Apple specific. <laughs> I know. Seriously. <laughs> Mac was the cooler one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I had like a ch- like chunky white like uh, MacBook. And I just thought I was so cool. And then I never looked back. I have like an iPad, two phones, a watch, and a <laughs> I don't know about that watch, man. All of you have the watch. And I just, I feel like my ADD would be on fuego if I had the watch. Oh, well, I'm not wearing it today and it was totally by accident, but I'll be standing meeting with somebody and it'll buzz and I yeah. I can't not look at it. Yeah, and yeah, people yeah. are like, am I keeping you? And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's such a bad habit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should wear it less. And then how did you parlay your curiosity for tech into your professional life? When did that begin? Um, You know, Probably when I first started out, I didn't realize how much I could use technology to my advantage. I really just kind of was teaching myself. And as I learned about more tools and tricks and products that would help streamline my business and make it easier, I just fell in love with 
how much it propelled my business forward. What was your first company? Um, it was uh, Social Spark Marketing. That's what it was called. And I um, and then I changed the name a few years later to Spark and Influence. And I just I really loved the idea that we could use social media to reach such a wider audience yeah. for businesses. I started. My dad was my very first client. And then, and and then, when did you create? You got Wolf and Park, uh, Work and Wolf, Work, work and Wolf, yeah. which is dogs. I sound like I've never wolf before. <laughs> um, uh, so, Work and Wolf. When did you spark that idea? So, I moved here last year. I got a dog right away. I grew up with cats, so yeah. I'm not <laughs> not a really? dog person. That's yeah. funny. And I really wanted a dog, and I was looking for a co working space that I could bring her. But I want she's she was one years old. And I wanted her to run around and play. And yeah. all the co-working spaces, as you know, in Austin are like, oh, they need to be quiet or tied down. Yeah. And I was like, we're going to get kicked out for right. sure. <laughs> and so um, I worked at home and then Hurricane Harvey hit and we got all that rain. And I was asking people, I was like, what do you do when it rains? They're like, oh, we just keep our dogs inside. Right. And I was like, you know, there's got to be a better solution. And so that was September of last year. And I just... I have no chill. I thought of it, and I was like, I think I'm just going to run at this with everything I have. It's interesting because even at my office in uh, in Los Angeles, um, somebody asked me if they could bring in their dog, and I was like, oh, no, I am afraid that somebody else is going to be allergic. And so that is a really big deal that people want to bring their dogs in, and some places can't accommodate for that. So what have you found? Like, where is your company now? Where did it start? Where do you want it to go? So I was really, I'm really passionate about the co-working side of things because I co-worked for three years in Chicago and I just really love the idea of bringing yeah. like-minded individuals together. Um, the co-working side is really, I want to focus on that. We, we get a lot of people in that are like, you know, we just don't have anywhere to go. We don't, right. you know, what do we do? And so um, I, I want to build it up. I want to build a big community of like-minded individuals, dog owners, and kind of interconnect the two. Yeah. I'd love to do more events with entrepreneurs and panels and kind of in my other business, I sort of transformed into coaching people that want to take their part-time hustles full-time. And so getting into kind of that and training businesses how to do social media for themselves right. is kind of is where I want to take the, the co-working side and then the dog side. It's an easy sell here in Austin. <laughs> People are always looking for care for their dogs, but we're doing big events. We're doing um, a dog yoga event with Outdoor Voices and building up that side, uh, special events-wise. That's so cool. Outdoor Voices has a huge community presence in Los Angeles, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they're a great company, and they were super on board with the idea. So And female-founded. Yeah, yeah, which is always a huge plus. And when did you find your love for dogs when you grew up with cats? <laughs> you know, I just I, – I felt like – I moved here. I didn't know a single person. And yeah. I knew how dog-friendly Austin was from prior visits. And I thought, you know what? I just like the idea of giving a dog a home, and, I you know, I wanted a rescue. And so – I don't know. I kind of was it was like love at first sight. <laughs> and what what are some of the marketing tactics that you plan to um, integrate into because you have a deep knowledge of social media and marketing and how to use that to grow a business. So what are some of the plans used uh, plan to use to integrate that into um, Work and Wolf? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We I utilize a lot of Facebook groups and both my other business when I tell people how to find, you know, cl new clients, I always say go into Facebook groups. So that we did a lot of that, Austin startups, Austin freelance gigs, things like that. And um, we use uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. And I I'm a big fan also of uh, advertising. Yeah. Um, I think the 
ROI is better and I think it's much more affordable than traditional marketing strategies. So we did a lot of that in the beginning and um, it seems to work very well and word of mouth. Walk me through what your um – like, are you going to have established locations or where are the Work and Wolf, you know, co-working going to take place? Um, so we have a 7,000 square foot building and it's a big open space just like here. Yeah. And um, it's divided into two sections. So about 3,000 square feet of it is the open co-working. We have private offices and conference rooms along the perimeter. Yeah. And then the other side is just a big fenced-in area, um, so the dogs and the humans commingle. <laughs> and this is your company, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how do you even go about acquiring a space like that? Yeah. I looked into getting a space for We Are LA Tech, and I was so stressed out. <laughs> it's it's very very stressful because you know you find the spot or you know you find the location that you want, but like we found a place that had no parking, and so yeah. you know what do you do? And so we just we just made a list of must-haves, nice-to-haves, and things we could live without. Right. And then we just started checking boxes off on yeah. the different locations. Um, when you're creating a business or a concept that doesn't exist, yeah. there, there's a whole bunch of surprises. <laughs> did you did you raise money in order to fund the lease? or? So, yeah, my family actually is funding it. Um, we, we knew we probably would have issues. Yeah. Um, because we don't have anything, we don't have another concept to compare it to. Yeah, and um, so we we decided to go the family route. So I've been very fortunate. No, I told it's fun. It's really, it's really interesting how all of us have different pathways, and it's not openly discussed how often friends and family are utilized to get a startup off the ground, mm-hmm. and um, it's more times than not. Oh, I'd yeah. say it's probably 1% institutional investors, and the rest is friends and family, yeah. including companies like Amazon. If I remember the story right, his father funded Amazon in the beginning. I don't know, and you guys can totally annihilate me online if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure his dad funded him for a really long time before, and it took something like 10 years for Amazon to be profitable or something like that. I yeah. don't even remember. I should look it up. But but the point is, it happens really often. Well, yeah, yeah I think, and I, I'm in a community of, a Facebook group of women-owned co-working spaces, and they talk about it all the time. How do you get funded? And almost nobody says, like, traditional methods, because yeah. it's just so hard. But we did, you know, we had pro forma numbers, and we had financials, and we did all the back, you know, the back-end work. And yeah, it turned out that who my family was funding, they thought, oh, you know what? I think we could make it work. Yeah. Um, No, totally. And then what's cool is it becomes this family-run business mm -hmm. and you have creative control. And I think one of the hard parts about institutional investment is sometimes, especially with venture capitalists, not so much angels, is they force growth to the death of a company. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes, you know, things need slow nurturing in order to thrive into their full potential. And so it's great. I've done both traditional investment and friends and family. And um, yeah, it's great. So what are your plans? Like when do you open officially or are you already open? Yeah. Yeah. So we soft opened on June 2nd, which I think is really unusual for businesses outside of like restaurants and stuff. But we really just didn't know how the community was going to respond. So we wanted to collect a ton of feedback. and 100%. Yeah. And then we did our grand opening on July 14th. So 
congratulations. Thank How did you. it turn out? Walk us through it. Um, we had a great time. We had 22 vendors in, in and outside the space. Um, and then we sold like roughly 186 tickets, which was what? quite a... Yeah. Wait, what are the, were the tickets to exactly? So it got you inside the door. Um, and then we donated a, a portion of the tickets to Classic Canines, which is Austin Animal Center Senior Division. Yeah. So they brought senior dogs. Um, they brought senior dogs that were adoptable. And um, and then we had staff members watching your dogs so you could, like, drop them off and shop and eat. And then our our team would babysit them for you. What a great alternative launch. I mean, typically you don't think that it's even possible to sell tickets for a launch event. Yeah, absolutely. Because our soft opening was totally free. And we dabbled with the idea of charging for the grand opening. But we figured, like, we, we figured we were bringing enough value to the consumer that they would pay for it. And then also Austin is so philanthropic, especially especially in the dog community, that we thought, you know what, we want to be able to raise money for the, this organization. Right. And the way to do that would be through ticket sales. And we also had a raffle and we donated part of the proceeds there. So cool. Um, so cool. And what goes into just understanding how to do a launch and how to event produce and all the steps? Like, who do you go to for guidance? Uh, <laughs> if anyone, sometimes I think guys are overrated, but like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big, I, I Google everything. So, you know, it was a little bit of that. My mentor Google. <laughs> it's serious. It's so true. It YouTube. Is. Yeah. YouTube videos. And I, I mean, I have an event planning background. That's actually what I went to school for. Um, so I knew like the logistics side wouldn't be an issue, but really it was just for us, it was getting the word out. It was, we did a lot of Facebook advertising. We decided to bring in local artists to put art up on the walls for us. And so because we wanted to incorporate the community, Austin is so mom and pop and support yeah, each other. And I love that about Austin. It is. It's true. Local artists and everything. Yes. We made a huge commitment up front to really only work with people associated within the city limits of Austin. And so we brought in artists and we used a lot of those people's audience to get people in. Um, and yeah, it just, it blew up bigger Smart. than, yeah, we could ever. And then we had a, from the soft opening to the grand opening, we had a crowd of people that came in and visit us and they loved the concept so much. They used their audience too, to talk about us. You said something really important, which was that you utilized their network in order to attract them to your event. Something that I've done in the past, people ask me how I get, you know, hundreds of people to my Los Angeles events. And I, I'm just a girl. I can't do that on my own. I partner where it's mutually beneficial for us to work together with people who have an audience and they don't want to essentially do event production. So they're stoked that I'm doing all the, all this hard work. I'm stoked that they have a list of who knows how many people. Absolutely. And then the event is makes them look great, makes me look great, and everybody wins. Oh, yeah. That was one of the biggest things we had. We had a list of probably 40 vendors that wanted to come in. We could only take 22. And basically, I, you know, I wanted to make sure that they sold and that they were profitable and that they had a great time. And they did. And so we had 22 companies audience, you know, captured for us. And so then, smart. yeah, and then they all had such a good turnout that they decided that they would do it again if we asked them. So I love it. So smart. How would you recommend to somebody who doesn't have any experience, uh, essentially like forming these partnerships and and collabs how where would they start i know you talked about facebook groups which is really important what are like even in a facebook group i know and i moderate a ton of facebook groups 
um, for my own stuff. And I click delete fast if I see a promo in mm-hmm. the We Are Late Tech group or Women in Tech group. If I see someone just trying to gain leads, I'm like, nope, not valuable. So what's an authentic, natural, organic way to form these relationships where people want to I think being authentic in a Facebook group is so important because I know that as these groups get bigger and bigger, you know, people get really spammy. But what I did was I went into Austin Freelance Gigs and I said, hey, I'm looking for anyone who specializes in pet photography yeah. or pet portraits. I have a project I want to collaborate on. Does anyone know anybody? And I had probably six people recommend my now friend Krista, who does Rough Adventures, and they said, you need to talk to her. So I read, I sent her an email. I said, hey, you know, your name got pulled up when I asked for pet photography this is what I'm doing. Would you be interested? And if you're not interested, could you point me in the direction yeah. of somebody? It's I'm not I used to not be very good about asking for help or promoting myself, but as a business owner, you just kind of need to throw it away and get over totally. it. <laughs> and one thing that's kind of random, but I want to address and something that I've gotten to know about Jill in like an incredibly short time is she's very um like understanding and flexible. Like I I wasn't able to like start the interview right away and she was so cool about it. And what's important about that is it leaves as an entrepreneur being able to like roll with the punches, so to speak, not that it was like a bunch. It says a lot because it makes you somebody that you want to work with again and again and understand that they could be accommodating in their understanding. I just think it showed me a lot about your character. And I think character is so huge because it forms like kind of a safeness in forming a longer term relationship with someone. I agree that that's very sweet. Thank you so much. No, it means a lot to me because like I felt bad because I had zero intent to disrespect your time and you showed up on time, which meant a lot to me. And I'm like, ah, like this, what do I do? And so, and I've had situations where, um, you know, someone isn't, Someone is just comes off kind of like, especially I'm from L.A., comes off kind of like elitist. Mm -hmm. And I have access to so much cool stuff that I feel a lot of joy in giving it to people. Like, let's say I had comp tickets to like a thousand dollar conference. I'd be like, oh, my God, let me see if Jill wants to go because she was so rad that day, you know, and it doesn't make it like warm and yummy for me to be giving and hippie like when like someone approaches me with a more like elitist perspective. I I completely agree. And I I think I think if I've learned anything from working by myself and owning a company is that you have to be flexible. And, you know, we had a perfect example yesterday. Somebody came in, they wanted something outside of our normal service range. And we had a, you know, he wanted to drop his dog off and it was late in the day. And I said, listen, you know, we're slow today. Let's take him. Well, guess who showed up today wanting, you know, to have a whole day of daycare. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's one of those things that I, I tell my employees, I'm like, with it, I, I want to give you, I want to empower you to make those choices. Yeah. You know, use common sense. You know, if it's if it's going to benefit them and it's going to help us and it's not hurting anything, yeah. let's just go for it. Because I'm just not a textbook rule follower yeah. by any stretch. But I think rolling with the punches, I agree with you. I think you're, when you do that kind of stuff and you're accommodating and yeah. you try to be kind, yeah. people do want to work with you again. And I think that it really makes a huge difference. 100%. Sometimes because I like I have so much going on, if something doesn't flow exactly right, I'll find myself even getting a little bit more stringent on rules. And then when I end up meeting the person or, you know, in the interview or something, I'm like, 
oh, I didn't have to be so stringent. Like these, this person's like dope and I am an idiot and I need to like loosen up a little bit. You know, yeah, it's, absolutely. it's just so interesting. Um, anyway, so thank you oh, again. It showed me a lot about your character and, and it was a reminder even for me, like how important it is to be more flexible because the intent isn't in a bad place sometimes, you Absolutely. know, hopefully most of the time. Yeah. But in Los Angeles, <laughs> I'd question that. <laughs> um, so, okay. And so what are some other, I know you're really passionate about marketing and social media, and especially it's hard to differentiate yourself today when there's so much social media. Back in 2007, eight, there, it wasn't a thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was like post MySpace that all of a sudden all the social media experts. So how do you differentiate yourself in your knowledge and what are a couple takeaway tips um maybe it complementary to the facebook groups that uh we could implement right now that would help us grow our businesses i think that so for me i started off with people that i knew in real life and i think that's huge i think that people are afraid to ask for referrals or hey do you know anyone who could benefit from x y and z you know because more often than not, you're going to trust the person, you know, if you go to your friend and you say, hey, I'm looking for X, and they said, oh, I just worked with somebody. Yeah. You should try him. You know, if you don't remind people that, oh, you have a, you have open slots, you're available for business, you know, people may not recommend you. And so I think it's really not being afraid to utilize your personal network. Like I said, I was never very good at talking about myself. Right. But I, when I first started, I kind of put up on Facebook. I said, hey, this is what I'm doing now. This is my company. And somebody yeah. was like, oh, I can use you. And it was a friend of mine from college. Yeah. And if I hadn't have done that and I hadn't just gotten past, you know, being afraid to talk about yeah. myself, I would have lost out on yeah. the opportunity to work. And so I just say, and especially not even if it's just friends and family, but past clients, if you've wrapped up a project and it went really well, ask that person, you know, would you be open to referring me or giving me a testimonial? Something that propels you forward. Um, because I think if you don't ask, you'll never know. What do you recommend... It's something that comes up a lot, especially as you go from startup solopreneur to having a team. What tools do you recommend for project management on the social side? Um, from like a website standpoint, I think communication is huge. I'm I fire stuff off at my staff all the time, and then I'm like, write that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we use um, Asana. Yeah. That's a great project management tool. Just something to keep a centralized list. Because um, it's really easy when you're, especially in work and woof, you know, we have 25 dogs or something some days. And then, you know, I tell somebody and, and they said, I don't remember what you said three yeah. hours ago. <laughs> um, but having like a central line of communication and, and just for me, it's making myself open and available to them so that they feel like they can communicate clearly right. with me. Um, and, but definitely like Asana, Basecamp, all of, you know, those programs are oh, really helpful. Oh, we use Basecamp. Love Basecamp. And how about social media management? So my my favorite tool, <laughs> you probably know this, on Twitter you used to be able to recycle tweets and then they got rid of that feature, which was just like devastating. To I me. actually never recycled the tweet. I didn't know. Well, so they say the life of a, a Facebook post is anywhere from like two to four days. Yeah. Um, but they say the life of a tweet is two minutes. So p- what people used to do is they re- recycle a tweet. You maybe send it once every other week or something like that. Well, Twitter got savvy to it and they deleted it. So now you have to have variations of the same tweet, but it cannot be the exact same tweet or they'll 
I mean, the, you know, I did not know that it it was recent, maybe like maybe March, April, somewhere in there. Yeah. And so I used to love I still love Meet Edgar. Um, I was just going to say, <laughs> oh, my God. OK, I was just going to say, didn't Meet Edgar? Their whole thing was on recycled oh, yeah. content. Yep. And recur posts. Those two really capitalized on it. And so what Edgar just did was they added in a variation button. So you type a tweet and it gives you a variation. You type a similar version of the same tweet. But, yeah, it cannot be the same. Um, so that was a real bummer for mar- social media marketers. But. So And meet Edgar. You guys check it out and we'll include in the show notes. Also female founded by an incredible entrepreneur named Laura Ruder. I don't know if it's Roder. I think it might be uh, Roder. Roder. <laughs> Laura Ruder. Sorry. Sorry, Laura. I actually know Laura. She is like her, her path, her journey is amazing. Well, uh, just check it out. Hopefully we'll have her on the show one day. I believe she's living in London now. I can't remember. I, the last I think I read, I've been obsessed with her since I think before Edgar, me, Edgar was Okay, so when she did the thing with the girl, she had the, the business internet marketing design. Court. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember that girl's name either. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I don't I don't remember, but I know I was on Edgar's waiting list when yeah. they were getting ready to launch and I was like grandfathered in at one point because I was so obsessed with her. I wanted to be her. And when that program came out, I was like, I'm going to use it. <laughs> yeah. It's got rave reviews. Oh, yeah. So, is that what you would recommend now or what what like which one is the best for Instagram? Which I, is very controversial. I know. <laughs> I go I was using Grum for a while because it was an automatic poster. Yeah. And then there this whole thing came up and they said, you know, don't use automatic posters. I switched to later. That's later. what I've been using. Um I like it. It's it it's visual so you can drag and drop and right. so you can see exactly how you're And does going. later post from the web or do you still have to go into the native app? You have both you have a choice to do one or the other. Oh, I cool. auto post because I have so many clients and I don't have time to yeah. to self post but yeah you can do And when it you either. say auto post you mean scheduled posts. Uh, later we'll post it automatically from like uh, you just you just drag it in pick a time and then it'll post automatically for you. Scheduled out. Yeah, scheduled yeah, 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 out yeah. ahead of time, yeah. Cool, yeah. Um I know this whole thing with Instagram is crazy as a business owner because, of course, a business owner has a lot of things to do and they don't necessarily have time at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday to log into Instagram to do a post. Yeah. And so without being able to properly schedule, you've been able to schedule posts, but they don't go live. You have to, like, log into the native app yep. to make the schedule post when you use things like Buffer and all this stuff go live. So it's been a headache figuring out what's the best tool that will also post it. <laughs> well, and there, it's like the Google algorithm, there's so much information out there. So yeah. people thought that if you were using auto posters that Instagram was just going to shun you. And it's crazy because we just don't know. I mean, they've never really come out and said, yes, we will. No, we won't. Yeah. So, but later seems to be a great program and we've seen, I've seen a ton of success with it. Um, it just, I teach a lot of automation when I'm talking to yeah. people because if you don't, you'll look back and, oh my gosh, it's been 13 days since I sent a tweet. <laughs> right, right, right. And so I, I, you know, batch it, do it all at once, schedule it, and don't ever worry about it. Totally. What other automation tips? I know Zapier's amazing one. Zapier's a great one. I used if if that then and yeah like, yeah <laughs> if then that that yeah, yeah. got it. And um, you guys will include all these in the show notes. I'm sure Carl, our our incredible teammate, knows the if then that what. 
Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I loved that because there's so many different combinations. Um, the integrations now that all of the tools have with each other has just been really awesome. Yeah. Um, I use Feedly a lot. Feedly? Yeah. What's that do? Feedly, um, you pick RSS feeds from different publications and then you filter them into Twitter so that you can keep your Twitter stocked up with like industry articles nice. and stuff like that. Yeah, I have a real estate client that it's been super helpful for. Um, and it's a, kind of a schedule and forget it ty- kind of tool. Right. Um, very helpful. Very cool. And um, what would you say is your favorite part about creating a new business, creating um, uh, uh, Work and Wolf? I keep wanting to say Wolf and Park, but I think it's because <laughs> you take a dog to a park. Yeah. And so I keep the word park is just like cemented into my brain. Like I, yeah. tell, I tell people, like, you can call whatever you want. <laughs> I love the idea of creating something new. I tell everyone, I built work and woof out of a selfish need. I This is something I wanted. This is something. And then I really honestly said a prayer and said, I hope somebody else cares about this as much as I do. But I just, I'm an adrenaline junkie in the in terms of like business. Yeah. I think it's there's something just so exciting about creating something new. And I like the, will it work? You know, how will we get people in? That kind of feeling. I just, I'm a creator. I love to do, you know, I did created websites for years and graphic design and just the idea to be able to be creative. Right. And back to being funded by family, there is a lot of space there for me to do and execute what I want to do. And that was really important to me. Yeah. My, my favorite part about being an entrepreneur, I think it's two things. Well, one for sure. I love being creative. Like that's the most joyful part. I also love – this is more stressful, but I love the ability to provide for other people's journeys too. Absolutely. But that's hard because Mm -hmm. it's not something you could achieve right away and it's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that it's joyful, but it's something that makes me feel more like proud. I just – I yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. And I just – I wanted to be able to have an impact on this world and and just be able to say like I did this and hopefully we made it a little bit better. We inspired people to do something different. I just, I don't know. I, I'm not, like, totally fearless, but, you know, I did move here by myself. I didn't know anyone. From Chicago, right? Yeah, I grew up in California. Oh, in California. I grew Where did up, I get Chicago from? I moved here from Chicago. Oh, okay. But I grew up in Orange County. Oh, wow, cool. I lived there my whole life. They're trying to have a tech community. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> um, I just read an article about WeWork now expand, trying to expand into— So Orange County, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I grew up in Orange County. I lived in Chicago for three years, and I moved down here kind of on a whim. And I just—I love the idea of being able to contribute to—Austin is so entrepreneurial forward that being able to be part of that is just really exciting. Definitely. Austin is the coolest tech city. Mm-hmm. It's so Absolutely. cool. I, lo- I love— I shouldn't say that. And L.A. and whatever. <laughs> no, I—okay, I, I, my fate—I have to say the combination of city and nature and all in the same area yeah. is just so unique. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's so green and it has that like super naturey, you know, being next to water aspect about it. Yeah. But then some of the coolest stuff in the country and some of the coolest companies in the country are doing huge things here. And I think it's the combination you just really can't find anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it's so it's such an exciting time to be here. Um, people that grew up in Austin don't feel the same. <laughs> Um, but as a newcomer, I'm like, I'm trying to contribute. <laughs> I agree. Where can people connect with you online? Um, so you, we, Work and Wolf ha- is on Facebook and Instagram. 
And then um, workingwithatx.com is our website. Um, you can always drop in if you're in Austin. We'd love to meet you. Yay. Um, yeah. And where can they find out more about Spark? Uh, my website is sparkandinfluence.com. Um, and then also I'm on Instagram. Sweet. And can you spell your name for everybody on Instagram? Uh, yeah, it's uh, S-P-A-R-K-I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E. I know. I do that, too. <laughs> it's like having to spell something that you don't normally spell. You're like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, having... cool. Thank you, Jill, so much for being part of the Women in Tech podcast. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Yay. If you want to connect with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group and womenintechvip.com. Womenintechvip.com takes you straight there. Be sure to say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will talk to you guys. See you guys here, you guys, in the next next episode. Bye. This is Jill Dretzka, the founder of Work and Wolf, the country's only indoor dog park and co-working space based in Austin, Texas. And you're listening to Women in Tech. Impact Hub here in Austin, Texas has been our home. We want to give a huge thanks to making it possible for us to comfortably meet and interview several inspiring women in tech. They have the most collaborative workspace, incredible events, beautiful design, a hammock in their backyard. What? It's an incredible space. You have to check it out if you're in Austin. Thank you so much for being a part of the Women in Tech journey. Be sure to go to impacthubaustin.com to get your free day of co-working. I want to give a huge thanks to the team at SpyCloud. SpyCloud protects your employee and customer information from breaches and account takeovers. Try SpyCloud's early warning breach detection platform. SpyCloud made it possible for us to meet with several women in tech here in Austin, Texas, and I am so thankful that they have been part of the Women in Tech podcast journey. Get protected today by going to spycloud.com. That's S-P-Y-C-L-O-U-D.com. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.